Gather Talk. I'm your host, Hank Shaw, and today we're going to go back east. Back east is where I'm from. I'm originally from New Jersey, and my guest today is Tony Caggiano, a friend of mine who is born and raised in New York. So it's going to be a good show. Uh, we're going to do all things Northeast today. We're talking about ducks and hunting ducks on the islands and in New Jersey and upstate New York. We're going to talk about the East Coast kind of flora and fauna like ramps and morels. We're going to especially talk about turkeys because turkeys are Tony's specialty. He runs an outfit called World Slam Adventures, and it is especially geared for the person who wants to hunt all different kinds of turkeys even the turkeys down in the Yucatan, which is really super exciting to me. And it's kind of got me interested in maybe going down there to chase a, an oscillated turkey or a chachalaca or something like that. Because I don't know if you've ever heard about the Yucatan, but the food there is pretty amazing. Anyway, today we're going to talk turkeys, East Coast ducks, and also how to get into hunting if you're from the Northeast. Now, out here in the West, it can be pretty easy to find ground and to find a place to start your hunting journey. And in the Northeast, it's a little bit more opaque and a little bit more difficult. So we're going to walk you through it. Hope you enjoy the show and we'll take it away. Some people will know who Tony Caggiano is and some people won't. So explain for people <laughs> why should you know Tony Caggiano? Why should you know Tony Caggiano? Good question. Um, I do a lot on social media, but I own a, I'm a, I've been a professional hunting guide since uh, the mid '90s, um, full time since 1999, and I've taken some other excursions in there, done some other jobs, but for the most part, I've been full time hunting guide since then. A few years ago, I started uh, World Slam Adventures, which is uh, it's a turkey. It's a travel company that specializes in turkey hunting, and uh, it was because I kept. I always wanted to go turkey hunting. That's what I love doing. And every time I look to book a hunt, it's always like a second. Turkeys are always second fiddle to everything else because a big part of it, I think, is because there's not as big a commission on a turkey hunt as there is on a bighorn sheep hunt. You know, so guys, sure. guys love booking trips to Africa and all this other stuff, but. Uh, when you're making just a few hundred dollars commission, if that much, on a turkey hunt for a guy, it kind of becomes uh, – it's not as exciting and profitable for some guys. So they didn't want to do it. So I started the company. I do book other hunts, but I started the company to cater to turkey hunters, which I do a lot of waterfowl hunting. I do a lot of guiding. I love waterfowl, and uh, but turkey hunting, it has a special place for me. So that's how that started. So we're we're going to talk about turkeys in a bit because cool. you're going to have to convince me um, of why I should care. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> that's an easy one, man. We'll do that for sure. Uh, so are you always on the always on the East Coast, or have you have you lived anywhere else? I grew up. I lived in the Bronx. I, that's where I grew up. Um, Bronx, New York. I went to school in Manhattan to the School of Visual Arts. So it, nothing that you would assume had anything to do with hunting, but. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm from I'm from Westfield, New yeah. Jersey, and I went to college at Stony Brook. So yeah, there you it's go. The same deal. Yeah, so uh, I grew up right on the Long Island Sound. So I remember as a kid seeing just rafts of of bluebills out there, you know. And there was still there was some brand around, but it was just incredible in the '70s when the bluebills came in, broadbill came in, and I remember being impressed by that. And then I moved to Westchester County, and the deer in the early '90s, deer hunting was there was massive giant deer running around. So a friend of mine was into it. He says, why don't you get a bow and start bow hunting? Cause that area is bow hunting only. And that was it. You did start, you didn't grow up hunting, did you? 
No, I didn't. I uh, I had family in Florida, so every summer I went down to Florida, and it was a big deal down there. But going down in the summer, I heard about it and talked about it, but I didn't get to experience it with anybody. My father hunted a bit when he was a kid, but um, but no, I didn't. I I'm pretty honestly, I pretty much everything I hunt now, I cut my teeth and kind of taught myself how to do it. Um, when I meet people who were hunting, the last thing they wanted to do was have some kid from the Bronx tagging along. So I couldn't get any help from most places, but it's funny how some of those same people all of a sudden are calling me up to go, uh, to, to take part in, you know, the thousands of acres of turkey hunting I have access to and traveling and all this stuff now. So it's funny. Well, you know, but first of all, it's funny that the worm turns. Oh yeah. And then, you know, I mean, we actually have a relatively, I mean, there's parallels. I mean, I didn't start, I did, I started hunting later than you, I bet. I didn't start until I was 30. Yeah. And, you know, again, I didn't, I didn't know another hunter until I was in college. And it was a, it was a Mohawk Indian of all things. He was on our track team at Stony Brook. And I knew tons and tons of fishermen, tons of anglers. I mean, cause I'm from Jersey, yeah. right? Everybody fishes and you just don't meet any hunters unless you're in a certain set and it's. It's one of those things where you talk about it out in the West or in the South, and people look at you like, well, where the hell did you live, San Francisco? I'm like, no, I lived in a kind of a pretty normal place. It's just hunting's just not that big a part of the culture in, in the part of New Jersey that I grew up in, and the Bronx is probably the same way. Yeah, there was nobody. There was a couple of, couple of old Italian guys in the neighborhood who would go rabbit hunting, honestly. That was about it. And I remember once when I was like 12 years old, a guy down the block from us, he shot a spike horn. And it was hanging in his garage and every kid in the neighborhood went to see it. It was like, you know, unbelievable that somebody had done that. So, well, I mean, I mean, if you, if I don't know how old you are, but I mean, if you're around in the early sixties, that would be a, it would be almost a news event Yeah, because people don't remember, you know, in the fifties and sixties getting a deer, any deer was a big deal. Yeah. Um, I was born, I'm, I'm 44. So I was born in 71, but even as a kid, you know, there was there was nobody there was no such thing as hunting a doe, and I see it a lot oh, around yeah. here with the old timers. They brag I wouldn't they have a spike horn, but I, I I've only shot one doe in my life. It's I'm, I'm like the meat the meat tastes better than a ruddy buck in my opinion. And, I have slain so many does, yeah, dude. That's it. I've, <laughs> I've killed twenty does to every buck I've taken in my life. Sincerely. Yeah, it's just it's it's a fact. I mean, we're about the same age, so I mean, I grew up. I grew up, my kid, or, you know, my, my childhood is all fishing in the Atlantic yep. and in my, my mom is from Gloucester, Massachusetts. And, and so it's, you know, a tuna was one of the first fish I ever caught. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, so people talk about, you know, oh, when my dad took me bluegill fishing in the pond, I'm like, I didn't catch a stinking bluegill until I was like 26 years old. Oh no, I didn't freshwater fish. I grew up in the Bronx. My home was two blocks back from the Long Island Sound. And uh, we would go over there. Low, we all knew the tides. Every kid knew the tide chart where I grew up. And you go down there at low tide, we'd be flipping rocks, picking up crabs, fiddler crabs, green, whatever we could find. And then we'd go play wiffle ball, ride your bike. And at high tide, we'd get out there and uh, cast the crabs out there and hammer blackfish. Just oh. catch them like crazy. As a little kid, I remember having – I had a uh, a couple of uh, pipe straps and a piece of PVC my dad helped me put together on my bike so I could ride around – with my fishing rod, which was a surf cast rod. I'm driving, I'm riding a BMX, you know, a mongoose BMX bike. And I have <laughs> with, 10 feet. with a banana sleep, oh, yeah. with a banana sleep. <laughs> like one of those, and I got 10 feet of fishing rod in front of me, you know, driving through the I've, city. 
I miss blackfish. I miss blackfish something oh, fierce. Man. I mean, we have something like it here in California. It's called a uh, a, a sheep's head of all uh-huh. things. Uh, it's nothing like the sheep's head from back east, yeah. but it's another ras, huh. and it's just such a good fish. And I just I can't I can't get enough of them. I mean, people t- you know people say, well, what do you miss about the Northeast? Well, frankly, there's not a ton that I do miss about the Northeast, but but blackfish is one of them. Yeah, it's that blackfish, and I've I've grown fond of walleye over the years, but that's those are my favorite fish to eat. There's nothing as good as a blackfish, man. Oh yeah, catching the walleye up in Minnesota. Oh yeah, they, and when I go up to Canada, they're all listening at this pickerel on the menu. That's a pickerel. Exactly. That, I was then I was good to go. You think it's pickerel? You mean a tiny pike? No, no, no. That's what, you know, you must have been in like Manitoba. Or yeah, something. that's where I was. Winnipeg. Everything's pickerel up there, but it's all that's what they're talking about is walleye. And their their pike are, are called jackfish. Yeah, I didn't hear that part, but I didn't know that. So the uh, so how much duck hunting have you done in the east? So it was the reason why I ask is because I've hunted in virtually virtually all of the United States west of the Mississippi, including you know the Mississippi area itself. Yep. But the eastern flyway, I know nothing about. Yeah, the uh, I started when I like I said I was started out bow hunting, and um, the next thing I did was I started duck hunting because I had seen. The reason I started duck hunting was I saw an old squaw and I was like, I just, for whatever it was, I thought that was the coolest looking bird ever. And I did some research on him. Sea pintail. Sea sea pintail. And uh, I said, I'm going to start hunting though. So I started hunting. I would drive at the time I was going to school in Manhattan, living on 20, just off 23rd street. And I would drive out to Montauk. I'd wake up at one in the morning, drive to Montauk, and I would go to a – it was a Suffolk County park that you could pay 20 bucks and get in a duck blind called Cedar Point. And you, I know exactly where yeah, that is. I used, to, I used to live in, uh, in Bayport. Okay, yeah. So I'd go to Cedar Point, and I had a single-shot hammer 12-gauge, and I had a box of steel, and uh, – I would just pass, and it was like, like the worst, yeah. the worst thing that you can possibly oh. bring to shoot sea ducks. Oh, my teeth were, my teeth were loosened by, you know, I left that season with cracked teeth practically, but, you know, it was like getting hit with a hammer every time you pull the trigger, like getting hit in the head with a sledgehammer. But yeah, I think I, I made three trips out there. I just, it was an old shotgun of my father's. I'd never shot it before, and uh, I, it took three outings before I hit my first duck, and it was an old squaw, and it's actually on a shelf 10 feet behind me. I had it mounted because I was upset. And from there on, I was just, I was just eaten up by duck hunting. And, uh, I've hunted in Maryland, New Jersey, Chesapeake Bay, up in Maine, Boston, any, any place you can go from, from Camden, Maine down to Virginia, I've hunted it. And, uh, yeah, I think one year, one year I hunted uh, 60 days. I was hunting 50 to 60 days a season for ducks. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, that's more than, I mean, I consider myself a pretty serious duck hunter. I don't, that's way more than I hunt yeah. every year. I don't, I don't do, I don't put up those numbers anymore. I mean, I'm guiding, so I'm doing it a lot, but I actually, I had two months off between an old job when I got out of college and when I started at this, when I started as a full-time guide at a private club and from Thanksgiving until the end of January, the only days I didn't hunt were uh, Christmas Day and New Year's Day. And New Year's Day, I was going to hunt, but I was too hungover, so I didn't go. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was living out of the back of a Ford Ranger with a cap. 
I was sleeping in Walmart parking lots. All the state troopers and DEC guys know me. I was towing around a Barnegat sneak box. (laughs) And I had a little Smokey Joe, one of those little Weber barbecues. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the, at the time, what the suggested don't eat more than two ducks a month was, but I was eating everything I shot. So. Oh, wow. They have, they have tests um, on me now. Back then, I don't know what (laughs) they have. Uh, they have health reg- health restorations for the the ducks out there. Oh huh? yeah, you know they suggest don't eat any mergansers, which I was never a fan. Well, why would you want to eat a merganser? Uh, anyway? But I can't tell you how many coot, you know, not coot, uh, scoter. They call them coot on Long Island, but I can't tell you how many of those buggers I ate in my life. There, it was. Well, they're clam eaters. Oh yeah, it was. I mean, I've seen you talk about them, and some other guys say it, but it was tough when you're just grilling them. You know, there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of uh, marinating or anything going on. I was breasting them out and throwing some Worcestershire sauce or whatever I had. I had like a a, a toolbox with spices in it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I just got this past Sunday, and and we get this a couple times a year. And well, we still have eelgrass still on, on oh, the west nice, coast. Yeah. So um, every now and again, the greater bluebills, yep. you know, the big the big ones, yeah. they will come in from wherever they came in. And they have perfectly white fat. And the theory is that they've all been eating eelgrass because it's it's one of the – other than a brand, because our brand are spectacular out yeah. here because of the eelgrass. Other than a brand, it is the only saltwater duck that I would ever consider plucking and roasting. Yeah. And we got about a dozen of them. We, we put the smack down on some bluebills on Sunday. with uh, we had, There were 10 of us out there, and all of us got limits. And about half of them had that white fat. And it was pretty pretty rare. And I don't know if that ever happens in the East Coast. No, I don't see a lot of that. Like you said, you know, we don't have any eelgrass. And you and I have spoken about in the past the uh, the brant out here. You know, the old the old Bayman would tell you if you turn it over and they're green, don't eat them. I mean, they're eating that really that translucent. You know, we call it cabbage. I don't know what it's called, but it's a sea lettuce. Sea lettuce. lettuce. It's awful stuff. When you eat the birds, it tastes like you're eating, taking a big spoon at the bottom of the Great South Bay. Um, What's what's interesting is I'm 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 going to bet and I don't know this. I'm just, you know, guessing that the reason is because the sea lettuce is not from the most pristine waters. Because sea lettuce all by itself, if you get it from nice, clean water, Uh is fantastic. It's delicious. Well, and it's 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 a common thing that people eat, and I mean I love it. However, I have picked it out of places like you know Bodega Bay or you know some places where they're not exactly as pristine as you might want. Yeah, and it is foul. Well, I don't know the chemical process that goes on between one end of the brand and the other when they eat it, but it's when they're on it, it's tough to eat them. They're just not very good. And I've never I've roasted some. Uh, Broadbill. I mean, when we get here, all the graders out there, we don't see a lot of little ones on the uh, mm. on the bays. And I act, I like the birds a lot. They're delicious, but I don't. I've seen a couple with whiter fat that that were really fat birds. Um, but yeah, I've roasted a bunch of them. They're actually it depends. Once again, I assume it depends on what they're on because on the Long Island Sound, I like the taste of them better than I did on the Great South Bay. And down there, when I opened them up, they were full of tiny clams and snail-looking things, you know? Yeah, I mean, bluebills love, 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 love clams. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that loves clams more is a, is a scoter. Yeah. I mean, I've opened... But clams, clams are better than fish, though. Yeah. You know, merganser's always eating fish. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, we would do... I remember 
had a buddy of mine who, and like, like you, I didn't have anyone who hunted with me. So I kind of tricked my best friend, you know, the guy who's the best man at my wedding. I kind of tricked him into hunting with me. He started coming and watch and he got his hunting license and now he's hardcore. I mean, he's been all around the world with me, but, um, so have you hunted ducks on the West? I haven't. The farthest I've gone to Canada, I've gone to Texas. I've never gone to the West coast. I need to get you out. Yeah, man. That would be amazing. I've never, we never been out there. We have a 107-day season and, and the best limits in the country. Yeah, I've, I've seen some of that. I've seen some of your handiwork online. So <laughs> uh, Around here, it's the duck hunting where I am now. We're about You're in upstate New York now, right? I'm about two hours north of New York City. The duck hunting can be very good um, compared to what I see across country. I would say it's mediocre at best. You get some mallards. This time of year, more black duck than you can – can stand and um a couple of teal early on and really good wood duck hunting for that week in october but that's it the occasional hooded merganser i got a widgeon about two weeks ago it's the first widgeon i've ever shot in new york state wow yeah um some of my friends shoot widgeon pretty readily down on the on the south bay i haven't been so lucky down there but um i've shot five five widgeon in two shells nice i love them <laughs> you know the widgeon, well, you know all those little and, and- and the rice, and the rice, they're spectacular. I mean, they can be so fat. They can be. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming your wood ducks get fat. There, oh right? yeah. It, yeah, it's amazing. These widgeon are the same way. Yeah, I don't know how these wood ducks, because I always check the crop to see what they're on, and around here it's acorns. You know, if the acorns, acorns are good, but it's like you can take an acorn out of a wood duck. That I don't know how they get them down, man. These acorns are as big as a walnut, and these little tiny birds are eating them up. It is kind of hilarious. I mean, I've seen them where the they've got their there's so many acorns in the crop, it's almost like like right under the chin. Yeah. I shot one bird where I snuck into my pond in the afternoon, and he had been on the acorns. And acorns, the whole pond is surrounded by oak trees. And when he took off and I shot him, he looked like there was something wrong with him. At first, I'm looking. I'm like, I don't know if I should eat this bird. And it turns out there were like seven acorns in his crop. I don't know what he was thinking, but I guess he was hungry. Well, let me tell you a funny story. Uh, speaking of acorns, um you know, in California, we've got so many different microclimates, and and you know, you talk about the birds from the from the bay and versus versus the sound, and and so what I did a few years ago, Holly and I, uh, we shot a bunch of mallards from different areas. Yep. So we had um, a mallard from the Sierra Nevada foothills that had been eating acorns. Mm-hmm. We had a mallard from south of the city that had been eaten, you know, been a natural forage. Mm-hmm. We had a in a city, I mean Sacramento. Yeah. The we had mallard north of the city that had been eating rice, and then we had a mallard from the delta which had been eating corn. Yep. So I, you know, I plucked them all, and took the breasts off with the skin and cooked them all in the exact same way, just salt, and seared the skin crispy, and and the meat was cooked medium rare. And so I sliced them all up, and only I knew which was which. Yeah. So I gave cards to this big par- dinner party we we're having. We had a mallard tasting. <laughs> And so everybody wrote down which number they thought was the best, and the the winner actually was the natural forage. Really, but number two was the acorn mallard. And what's fascinating is everybody thought that the corn mallard or the rice mallard would would be number one, and everybody agreed that all four were were delicious. But the the difference was everyone said the acorn mallard was really interesting, and the and the corn mallard was really boring. Yeah, and I thought that was really interesting to hear. Yeah, the corn doesn't surprise me because it's just like, for me, you eat domestic game. And I do. I, I get At this point, I get most of my 
my domestic meat from local farms. I don't buy from supermarkets. We're mm-hmm. really lucky. Everybody, I assume anybody who is a foodie knows a lot about the Hudson Valley and what we have going here is really amazing as far as our access to uh, local farmed food. But when you get when you get some of these animals that are finished on corn, it makes them fat, admittedly. Um, but the flavor is not there. I mean, I started going to when I go to South America and in Argentina and grass fed beef. And I remember thinking like you have a steak and I'm blown away by the flavor and it's the same animal. It's just not being finished on corn and the corn is boring. You know, that's, that's all I can surmise from this when I eat these other animals. And I find the same thing with, uh, with the game, there's wood ducks that are on acorns. I, I'm excited when I get one. I mean, because of I'm already, I shoot the first one of the day and I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do with it. You know, exactly. They're plucked. And if I guide, I have some guys who I guide who are not huge duck eaters. Um, and they're like, oh, just breast it out. And I, I refuse. <laughs> you yeah, know? Not, not a wood no. duck. No. I'm like, here's the deal. Like, you can, I can pluck it for you and you can eat it or I can pluck it and I can eat it. But I'm not breasting this bird out. If you want something, I said, we have some nice farmed mallards that you can take the breasts out of but the wood oh it's like it's like our, our pintail out here i mean our pintails out here i mean they're just i i don't you know they're, they're hard to even describe how good they are yeah well, super yeah. fat white fat big birds you know i mean just i'm looking at a picture right now on my desk of you know eight of them just lining up just swimming around and it's just they're our dominant bird yeah and it's people fly all the way to california just to shoot our pintails yeah, we don't get a lot of that around here. I've taken two New York pintails in 25 years. Mm. That's it. Just but, don't see. But we don't have. But we don't have black ducks, and I'm gonna have to fly to your place to shoot a black duck. Yeah, I can. That's easy. The limit here is one, and I actually guided one of a, a good friend who has a big piece of property that goes the uh, the Great Swamp River goes through it. The Great Swamp, it's called. But in Jersey? No, there's in New York. There's in the Hudson Valley. There's an area called the Great Swamp, and now they're doing all sorts of um, fundraising to preserve it. A lot of it's going into conservation easement. It's a huge swamp area and that goes from Dutchess County almost down to Westchester County. And the swamp, and he owns a big portion of this swamp river. And I went in there and we're in this massive abandoned at the time because of the season, heron rookery. It's just heron nests everywhere and standing dead timber. And we had 300 ducks come in during the course of the morning. Every single bird was a black duck. That's the first birds came in. We shot three beautiful black duck drakes. One was banded, <laughs> which was really cool. Wow. And then we what are the odds? Yeah. And then we sat there, and I'm, I since it was sincerely three hundred birds, and not one, not even a mallard, not a nothing but black ducks. Flocks of ten, twenty singles all day long, till ten a.m. So if you want black ducks, you let me know when you want when you're heading out this way. I I got black ducks. I might have to do that next year when I I'll be I'll be in your neck of the woods next year for when the uh when the deer book comes out. Oh cool. Yeah, we'll definitely have to make that happen. So talk to me about upland hunting. I mean, so upland hunting out there has a really terrible reputation. Um everybody I know is like, "Well, yeah, if you go way in the hinterlands, you can find woodcock and you can find um grouse in Maine and in northern uh New Hampshire. I think there might be grouse left in New York, but there's no pheasants really. There's no, you know, it's too far north for quail, and it's just, I, it's, I just get the sense that it's uh, preserves or nothing. Yeah, a lot of the, 
the bulk of the upland that I know around here is I, we do a lot. Of, I do a bunch of woodcock hunting. A lot of the guys I know, I have a couple of friends who are really active woodcock hunters. But that season, the birds pass through this area in in any kind of numbers for maybe a week or two. Um, really? Luckily, they extended. You'll you'll get resident birds through the season here and there. But you, the big push, the big migration lasts a week or two, and then they're out of here. Um, luckily, New York State extended the season, made it later into November because we were actually missing the migration some years because this at the time the season was closing like this first the third of November and then birds the big push of birds would come through a week later but yeah there's good where I am like I said there's a lot of swampy areas there's a lot of water around here so you could find ponds and swamps and marshes everywhere and all of those areas a whole woodcock during the season when the migration is going on the grouse the area that I'm in here in the Hudson Valley was famous for grouse I have guys tell me how 20 years ago they'd go for a walk and you'd kill a limit of grouse in a half hour on a 20 acre parcel. You'd push, you'd fly 20 birds in a three hours. Um, hmm. Those days are behind us. The, the whole area, the area as a whole has matured. Years ago, these hillsides were barren in the area where I am for, um, they're making charcoal and there's still, I can send you some photos. There's still these huge, um, furnaces where they would make the charcoal when you're hiking through the woods these big stone furnaces and it's all dry stone it's not mortared together it's just piled and they are 20 feet high and 30 feet around it's incredible wow yeah and you as you're going through the woods you find these big patches of black earth which is where they would burn wood but the hillsides are all wooded now and 100 years ago there was not a single tree left here so crazy yeah so you know 50 years ago it was just everything was woodcock cover. And um, that slowly changed, especially over the past 25 years. I know on the properties I hunt, we went from having incredible woodcock and grouse cover. Um, understories were full and now it's just cleared out. So the grouse are, you can still get good grouse hunting about three hours north of here in New York. And most of my grouse hunting at this point is done in Maine. I drive up there. Yeah, I mean, from what I understand from my East Coast friends, they it's all northern Vermont or yeah. New Hampshire or Maine. Yeah, you can go up to Vermont and run your dog and have a blast up there. But even on that kind of band across um, into upstate New York, you, it gets really good, really good. And you come into some snowshoe hares up there. So it's fun. It's worth the trip to go up there this time of year. Not so much now because there's no snow, but right after a snowfall, the season goes till February. And I always like going up there and chase them you, you get snowshoe hair and grouse have a nice mixed bag you get in a day's hunting you get two if you're lucky two or three grouse and maybe a limit of hairs and so it's well you know that the hairs are white now yeah that's <laughs> now it's easy you drive around up there i'm sure i haven't been up there yet but those guys are probably laying into them pretty good and that's not not much place they can hide right now it's i sort of feel sorry for them yeah i sort of feel sorry for them it's like oh <laughs> Sorry, rabbit. Yeah, I saw a little stoat run by the other day, and he was bright white. I'm like, oh, that poor guy. You know, <laughs> yeah. every every raptor in the world is like, get oh, the white yeah. one. The buffet's open, man. They're ringing a dinner bell on that guy. But so what? You know, if I if you're in East Coast, if you live in the New York metro area or wherever, you know, anywhere in that sort of giant megalopolis region, yeah. and you wanted to be a hunter. What would you advise? Because, I mean, a lot of people are getting into hunting right now as adults. I mean, it's a, it's it's been going on for a good five, six, seven years. Yeah. Um, so how do they, you know, for, for us here in California, the, the gateway for us is pig hunting. 
because pig hunting is you can do it all year long. You you know it's relatively easy. You almost have to go with a guide so you have that guidance right off the bat. On the in your area, if you, if you were an adult who wanted to pick up hunting, how would you what would you advise somebody to do? In my area, well, I would say if you looked at looked at New York City, if you're down there and you want to get into hunting, the number one thing you should be going after is waterfowl. You have access to Long Island, arguably one of the most famous waterfowl areas in the country, places to hunt waterfowl. Um, the entire island has water around it, obviously, but it's hundreds of miles. But it's <laughs> nice, nice. That's good. An island, it's an <laughs> island. Get this. It's an island surrounded by water, Hank. But it's hundreds, it's, it's hundreds of miles. And when I say water, I don't just mean water. I mean it's public access. If you're below the high tide line, it's legal to hunt. You may get into some townships here and there that have uh, that have laws regarding the, you know the, prohi- the prohibiting hunting within town air town boundaries. But when you get out to the Great South Bay and all these marshes and uh, the Long Island Sound, there's unbelievable hunting, and it's all public access. Um, the the parks out there, Suffolk County Parks, New York State Parks, many of them, you can go on the website, many of them offer freshwater access where they, they have 10 or 15 blinds in the park and you pay an access fee. You go in a lottery, your name goes on a little thing, they, they spin it around and, okay, Hank Shaw, you have blind 10. Tony Caggiano, you have blind 9. And everybody goes out and hunts for the morning and they do it again in the afternoon. But for someone, That's very similar to California. Yeah, so, but for somebody who has no access and if you don't know anybody – Right there, you can get – there's a great end to get out there and do it. The catch on the the wild hunting and hunting on your own is that you really – you need a boat. So there isn't a, a capital investment. Um, I bought my first boat. It was a tiny little Barnegat sneak box. I think I bought it for like $400. And at the time, I was 25 years old, and I put my life on the line three days a week in that thing. I was insane. I wouldn't – I wouldn't go the places that I went then in that kind of boat anymore. You know, you get older and smarter. But um, but yeah, when I tell you we were taking limits of birds and just when you're out there and you've seen if you've brand hunted, you know, oh, yeah. you're on Long Island and brand. It looks like I had a friend and uh, he actually wrote an article on it 20 years ago on a hunt we did. And he says, what is that burning over there? And I was like, that's not burning. That's brand. He thought it was smoke in the distance. And it Crazy. had to be 800 Brant, and they decoyed into a dozen Canada goose decoys that I had. We just let them land. <laughs> they just pile it in. You know, Brant and Buffleheads are just the most giving waterfowl in the world. They love decoys, and they're so friendly. Uh, the buffalo head. <laughs> yeah. It's just a giving little duck. They come bombing into the decoys so readily. And uh, do you, uh, Is your limit a, a two for Brant there, too? This year, they made it one. So, oh, wow. Yeah. A few, Ours is two. Yeah. We, we were at two forever, and then... I want to say about 10 years ago, it went up to three for two, one or two seasons, and now it's down to one. And they cut the season way back. The brand we had, yeah, we had the great bluebill annihilation of uh, I think it was 2012 season. I think it was a typo. They gave us seven bluebills that year. Wow. And I mean, I, you know, San Francisco Bay. I mean, if if the limit, whatever the limit is, you can shoot it. So it was carnage dude it was just carnage <laughs> i mean i personally shot 65 bluebills that year wow yeah you can't do around here i think i didn't blue i haven't bluebill hunted this year on long island i usually wait till january but it's one or two birds is all you're allowed on bluebills around here too 
Mm, we get three. Yeah, numbers are way down on the blue bills. But they up. So you got waterfowl down, down and downstate. Yeah. You know, I suppose squirrels and rabbits too, yeah? Squirrels and rabbits, yeah. New York, we're lucky in New York. I think in the southern tier, it's a little tougher. But as you as you move up the state, there are enormous public access areas. And on those public access areas, squirrels abound. I mean, there's just – you can go for a walk anywhere and take a limit of squirrels in a couple of hours. Um, rabbits are really good too. There are a couple of a couple of these public access areas. They release pheasants early in the season. So you can get some – Upland hunting in areas, but it, but it's almost put and take. They put them in early season, and when they're gone, they're gone. They're mm. not reproducing at all out there. Um, if you knock on doors, deer hunting around here can get people here in New York, and you don't realize how rural it is. And deer hunting around here is competitive. It's tough to get in and find a spot to deer hunt. Really? So, yeah. Would not have guessed with it with so many deer and so much land. Yeah. The uh, the guys who do deer hunt, people are just they are passionate deer hunters around here and um i actually like when the deer season opens i i do deer hunt but i like when the deer season opens because it eases up the pressure on waterfowl around here so when i'm guiding and hunting once the deer season opens i can come and go as i please if, if you're a waterfowl hunter and you have access to some places and even public land there's nobody waterfowl hunting once the deer season opens up that's their only concern so what about hunting places like the Adirondacks? The Adirondacks up there? Yeah, you, there's a lot of public access up there. Um, I actually used to go and knock on doors, and this is going back 15 or 20 years. And for turkeys back then, everybody was like, yeah, sure, have fun. But the deer the deer was even tougher, tough up there then. The, the numbers of deer in the Adirondacks are much lower. It's a lot of big woods, so you don't see the numbers of deer that you see here in the farmland areas. It's like our Sierra Nevada. It's yeah. the same thing. So you don't see them. And even around here, deer numbers are down in general in this area. But um, when you go up to when you go up to the Adirondacks, you might see some absolute monster bucks and you'll see a few does here and there. But you could in a week's hunt, if you saw 10 deer, some places you're doing pretty good. Wow. OK, so it, it it's like certain parts of the Sierra Nevada where it's ancient woods yeah. and they're just you know, they call them the ghosts. Yeah, that's it. You know, there's there's no reason. For them, I shouldn't say there's no reason for them to be there, but they just won't be there in the numbers that you would like to see as a deer hunter. And there's a lot of pine woods and that sort of thing. So if you can find, when I hunted in the Adirondacks years ago, I haven't done it in 15 years, but when I did, you really spent time researching to find out where the mast was, and then you can get on some deer. So that leaves us leads us inevitably to turkeys. Turkey hunting. What, what? Why would someone need convincing? This is what I want to know. Have you just never really done it or not a fan? You know, there's so many turkeys where we live. Uh, essentially, you can you can hunt turkeys by, you know, drive-by shooting method. And, I mean, it's it's, it's just not – oh, look, there's some turkeys. Get out of the truck. Bam! Oh, well, that's the fun in that. You got to engage them. <laughs> you got to go out and turkey hunt. Like, for me personally, if I'm guiding – and I'm sitting there and a bird comes in when I'm not calling or sneaks in behind. If I'm guiding a client, they're going to shoot it. But for me personally, I'm at the point now where if I just want that interaction, I want to call the game in and have it react and come in. And if that doesn't happen, I, I'll i pass on a bird. Um, hmm. Granted, I'm, I'm lucky that I get to hunt a lot and I have my issues. The guys joke around, I have issues because – this year I was hunting with my buddy Ray I, who you spoke to, and mm -hmm. we're out there and this I found this big bird 
and I couldn't get a crack at it when Ray was here. We called it in and I and it, it spooked at coyotes and some other stuff and it took off. And for the rest of the season, I just I wanted this bird and I knew where it was roosting and I could see it, but it always had hens. But at one point he's strutting in a field and another gobbler came in and I couldn't bring myself to shoot the other gobbler just because I was so eaten up by this one bird. And I and it got, it got the best of me. But that's the fun that's of, like buck hunting. Yeah, it's the same thing. You know, some guys will tell me you're crazy. Why wouldn't you do it? But when you get guys who are serious and hardcore about deer hunting, especially, for, you know, for these bucks, it's it's not about the kill. It's about the it's about going out there and. It sounds corny to some, but going one-on-one with this bird. And I've since, he has a kind of a funky crooked beard. And I was out two days ago and I, I glassed him in a field with a hundred other birds. So hopefully he makes it through the season. It's this winter. The winter's pretty mild. So I'm hoping to chase him again next year. Well, turkeys can live for, I don't know, how long can turkeys live in the wild? Do you know? Yeah, I think a really old bird, five years is is getting up there for a bird, six years old. Um, I have skies who are, who tell me stories about eight and nine year old birds, seven year old birds to my, in my experience, an a four year old bird is a big old bird and five years old. It's even tough to, I'm not really sure how you would tell the difference, but I think that's a really long, long lived Turkey right there. I bet you where I live, there's a, um, a riverine park called the American river parkway that runs from Folsom 20-some-odd miles to the city of Sacramento. Yeah. And it's a wildlife corridor. I mean, it's everything from mountain lions to, you know, everything else wandering around in this corridor. I have seen ginormous turkeys with beards that drag a solid two inches on the ground when they're walking around. I'm, and we have mild climates, so I'm wondering if those might be your seven- or eight-year-old turkeys. Yeah, possibly. If you have an area – you have a nice climate out there where – it would be conducive to birds getting older. I know guys in Florida talk about really old birds, huge beards, huge spurs. Here in the Northeast, we have a winter like we had last year where it's three feet of snow and mm. it's negative 20 degrees all night. That's That takes its toll on an older animal. The, uh, the colder it gets and the harder the winters are, the shorter that animal's life expectancy is going to be naturally. So out where you are, where you're dealing with a really nice climate, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a way to age them and find out there were six and seven year old birds. So what's your, what's your, your go-to Turkey load or does it, or does it depend on the circumstance? I really, I have an, I've shot um, a number of Turkey guns. I have a really nice Mossberg that I know some people um, get all these custom guns and these custom loads, but I shoot a Mossberg and an Indian Creek choke tube. um, And, uh, I like that. I like I like sixes, and uh, I'm I I like to pattern my gun. I want to shoot a bird. For me, the fun is getting the bird within 30 yards. So some guys want these guns that shoot 70 yards, but I'm not really interested in that. That's funny. You should. I'm glad to hear you say that because I I, I shoot my one and only gun. It's a 20 gauge over and under, uh, Frankie Veloce. Yeah. I call it Tinkerbell, and uh, she, yeah. <laughs> Gun only weighs five pounds. So yeah, I've shot everything from a snipe to a swan with it, and uh, legally, I might add. Yeah, and you know, the, all the turkeys I've killed, I I use uh, heavy shot sixes. Yeah, that's a great. That's a really nice round too. You know, they hold the weight. They get out there, and um, I've knocked two birds off the wing with one, with heavy shot sixes. Flushed them like uh, like pheasants. Look at you, the the upland <laughs> the upland turkey hunter. But yeah, I think to I convince you. To convince you about turkey hunting, you got to go and be there when 
when you're sitting there and you call the bird in and you get the bird is all excited and it's gobbling and strutting, it's really about that interaction with, with the bird and that show. That's what gets me hooked. You know, I get it intellectually yeah. because, you know, you and I both get that same kind of, you know, hunting Woody from, you know, when, when mallards. Yeah. You know, they're your tall or specs, you know, they're calling response and, you, you know, you're calling them in with a with a call and they just come right out of a clear blue sky. I get that. Yeah. I think what I what I'm I th- maybe part of it is, you know, I like turkey. I just don't love eating turkeys. I mean, they're good. They're fine. Uh, but I'd much rather eat a canvas back or, you know, or a mallard or something than than a wild turkey. And I think I'm constantly thinking of the after game. Yep. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, okay, they're good, they're good. Like no, don't get me wrong, I'll eat grouse and woodcock till the cows come home. But a wild turkey, yeah, they're good, they're okay. Although, I got to tell you, I am in the current I'm currently reading a book about this giant book about the food of the Yucatan. Mm-hmm. And there's a particular turkey which I'm you probably have hunted down in the Yucatan, the oscillated turkey. Uh, yeah, back in back in April we hunted them down there. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to tell me that in a second. And so I'm just fascinating because they have a ton uh, turkey recipe. So I'm, I I may develop a newfound love for turkeys based off the the cooking of Mexico, and and that's my that's my best hope at this point. But so tell me about tell me about hunting turkeys in the Yucatan. Yeah. So when I do my like you were talking about cooking the turkey up here, I always plucked all my birds, and it was difficult to get the breast just right and tender and juicy when having the thighs cooked through. It's a wild mm-hmm. game. It's a wild bird, so it's not a lot of fat. So I actually part out most of my birds. I butcher them, and I find I do too. yeah. And then I find it's much better eating than there's something great about seeing a whole roast wild turkey. I love it, and we every year I pluck one, and we kind of have friends over, and it's a big production. But it's always also like we look at the bird. It's great. I breast. I take the breast off, cut the breast off, and then thighs and everybody go back in the oven. You know what I mean? And you know what it is? You know what it is? It's basically, you know, I'll be ecumenical about it. It's that, it's that hot dude with a, with a ripped abs or that <laughs> smoking model yeah. that, that, that you just have to date because you're just dazzled by how, how they look, yeah. but they're crazy. Man, male or female, like every guy has dated that crazy, but pretty girl. And every, every girl has dated that really hot guy who just really wasn't a real, the right guy. <laughs> so it, I, I, it's sort of more of a visual, you know, fantasy than it is a reality. Oh yeah. That's the payoff is seeing it come out. Everybody, ooh and ah. And then after that, it's really about the gravy and the stuffing. You know what I mean? If you can make a mm-hmm. really good gravy for a turkey gravy and have a really nice, I have a very elaborate stuffing recipe and then it all works. But now I'd like, to, I'm looking forward to hearing more about your recipes from the Yucatan because when I was down there, we went down this past April and I, I book a lot of turkey hunts to Mexico. That is, that is fast becoming the number one hunt I book. Guys are completely enamored with this bird. It's not like our birds up here. It's blue and green and it looks metallic and it's shining and it doesn't gobble. It sings. And really? yeah, it doesn't have a gobble. It sings. It does this little whoop, whoop, whoop kind of, that was the most horrific uh, oscillated turkey call you ever heard, but it's, <laughs> you know, it sounds like a nervous yeah, quail, but it's like, <laughs> and it does this thing where it sounds like water dripping on a tin pan. And it's, it doesn't sound real. It doesn't, it sounds like an unnatural sound, but this bird is just tearing it up just as a, an Eastern gobbler would. They're only about 10 pounds. It's a small bird. It's striking mm. when you see the photos. Um, 
huge spurs. My bird had two and a half inch spurs and he weighed 10 pounds. Jeez. Yeah. It's a bruiser. But when we were down there, so we hunted them. We go down. We're in the Yucatan. We're in Campeche, Mexico. You fly into Merida, spend the night there, which is it seems to be one of these cities that no one's heard of. But I can't tell you how amazing a city it was as a, a lover of food. I mean, I'm 250 pounds. I like to eat. And uh, <laughs> the restaurants, real, not your taco and burrito Mexican food, true Mexican cuisine was unbelievable. So we spent the night there, and then we head out into the jungle, literally. Uh, there were Mayan pyramids and ruins around. We are, We were hunting an area that has farmland, and I believe it was owned by the Mennonites, they have a huge farming community there right in the middle of the jungle. And we met some of them. You see these folks coming out, blonde hair, blue eyes, big farm, like a farmer's hat, a uh, straw hat on, speaking fluent Spanish, speak no English. So it was, it was wow. yeah, it was different. Girls are wearing these long gowns and even bonnets out there. It was like stepping back in time a little bit. But to give you an idea of it's the jungle on my way out to a hunt one morning, Something jumps in the road 30 feet in front of us, and it's a Jaguar, you know. Wow. It was incredible. The driver stops, and he he's – I tried to get pictures, but it was over in a second. And uh, I saw a Jaguar while I was down there. I saw a Margate cat. I saw a Jaguar undie. The wild cats down there, the smaller cats were – the wildlife, everything was incredible. You are absolutely in the wild – it's a piece of farmland cut out of the wildest jungle. Wow. Yeah. And the, these birds are in huge groups. I've had one flock of 300 birds come by and 300 turkeys. Yeah. It's it's an amazing experience. And the guy Did you uh did you see any of the uh, any chachalaca when you yeah, were Yeah, the chachalaca. They drove us crazy. They're over your the, they're over your heads in the trees screaming. Well, you can hunt them, right? Yeah. We didn't actually you have to get the permits. That was the only thing is I didn't know I wanted to hunt a chachalaca until I was there and saw them. So, Well, you, you know why I want to hunt the chachalaca? Why? Um, because all through – I'm obsessed with, with our chickens. Um, so I have – I'm uh, ultimately, I want to shoot every native chicken in, you know, in North America. And the – so you know, if you've got three or four in the plains. You've got the sharpie, the yep. prairie chicken, the, the – you know, and that sort of – and the sage hen. Sure. Then you've got you know rough grouse and the blue grouse and the and the spruce grouse and the ptarmigan. Ptarmigan's kind of your tundra, and on the other side of that, then you have the jungle grouse, which is the chachalaca. Yeah, well, they have them. There was, they are loud, and you don't know they're over your head until they just rattle your brain when they cut loose in the dark. <laughs> and. Uh, so I really – I wasn't able to get the permits. But next time I go, there was crested guan was another great bird. Uh, Curacao is an incredible, beautiful jungle bird. Stands about three feet tall with these curly feathers on its head and this yellow crest above its be its beak. So there's a yep. lot of really cool stuff down there, a lot of neat stuff. Yeah, that could get me down there. Yeah. And the deer, the um, they have brocket deer, which at first – a brocket deer, a full-grown brocket deer has – Antlers that are about four inches long, but they're a spike. So it looks mm. like a tiny white tail spike. And at first I I said, well, I don't think I'm going to bother with that. It's a tiny little deer white. And then I saw them, and I can't wait to go back. On my next trip, I may take a group down there, do the turkey hunt, 
and I'll just deer hunt because I really want to hunt brocket deer, just neat little jungle deer. Well, let me know. I might uh, might want to get in yeah, on we'll, that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Oh, and the other thing is the Coatamundi, if you're familiar with that. It's like a cross between a raccoon and a monkey. So that's the best way my son described it when he saw it. That does not sound like uh, – that sounds like trouble in a in a fur package. Yeah, and when you see them come through, I, I was a zookeeper. I worked with them. Really smart animals, online with a raccoon, really intelligent, um, interesting animals. And then here they come, and there was a troop of 60 of them came through. I don't know how anything survives on the ground. Imagine if you had 100 raccoons roaming the grounds where you hunted and you lived. I can't imagine anything surviving that, but they're out there like that. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe the jaguars get after them. Yeah, probably. (laughs) The jaguars, I didn't see any, but they they had puma, cougar down there. I think there are six or seven ocelot. There is an ocelot. Six or seven different types of cats. Lots and lots of ocelots. Lots and lots of ocelots. Say that five times fast. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's an amazing place. And then to go back to the lodge, thatched roofs. And uh, my wife, when I brought the photos home, when I go to Canada, I hunt out of I hunt in a little trailer. It's run down, and we have to have water brought in three days a week because there's a tank, and it's got a an old storage container next to it for our gear. And that's, that's how I always went hunting in Canada. My wife saw it. She was cool with that. Then you come back from Mexico and it looks like a resort with thatched roof cottages and incredible grounds and swimming pools. And all of a sudden she's looking to go on an oscillated turkey hunt now, you know? Perfect. Yeah. Well, that's like when I started bringing home ducks, uh, Holly's like, these are tasty. And I'd like to see you on weekends, so I should start duck hunting. And now, now Holly is more of a duck hunter than I am. Nice. So it's, you know, there's a, there's a there is a template for uh, your future marital happiness. Yeah, my wife, my wife's taken some turkeys. She's she loved goose hunting. She grew up in South Africa. She had a lot of game. It's very much just how she grew up. That's how life was. So when she was wooing me, she would come hunting all the time, as long as it was. Turkey season in May, early season goose, as long as it wasn't cold. But now, yeah, that's the thing. You know, but but now our kids are, my boys are seven and nine, and they they're coming out and doing all this stuff with me. So we're she's saying there are family hunting trips in our future, which I think is great. I love having her out there. We have a blast. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I try to take out you know newcomers all the time. I mean, I don't have kids, but. I mean, we just did a, uh, a a cooking school here in California for duck hunters, and four people got their first ever duck, and that was super cool. That's awesome. And we're gonna do another one in Texas, and, um, and you know, I'm, I I think I want to do more of these things, and and it might be fun to go up to your neck of the woods and maybe do some things with turkeys. Yeah, that would be that would be great fun. I mean, there's nothing I like better than getting someone their first turkey. To me, that's the coolest thing in the world, especially. I have a lot of guys who have hunted ducks and geese and all different upland game. The turkey hunting, one of the things that I love about it is the shooting of the turkey is so anticlimactic. There's, it's not this fast pace, sporty, super, where you have to, you have to bring everything together and make these awesome shots. Long birds, fast. It's very – the bird is close. It's within 20 yards. It's usually standing. So the shot is anticlimactic. It's the whole 
event up to that point that's exciting, which is what I love about it. Like we were saying, calling game in. Um, and to do that with somebody, especially somebody who's done a lot of other hunting but never turkey, it's cool to see that aspect of it where it's switched up and it turns them on. And I see guys come out there who've hunted big game, hunted, shot huge deer. And the first time a turkey gobbles 20 yards to their left where they didn't know it, they just come unglued. So there's something cool. To me, that's what it's all about. And doing it with somebody for the first time, there's nothing better. It's the environment, too. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love rough grouse hunting is, is it the environment that it puts me in. Yeah. And, you know, a marsh in, in the middle of January can be – it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I spend lots of time in a marsh in, in January. But it's, you know, you're, you're managing discomfort. Yeah, Where absolutely. turkey hunting in the spring, it's not that much discomfort. No, it's gorgeous. The, flat, the leaves are coming out. Everything's blooming. The – in the northeast here, the songbirds in the woods are deafening. There are times where there's, there are so many songbirds singing, you can hardly hear the bird you're hunting as they're calling to you. And that's all part of it. It's just, it's such an amazing time of the year to be out there and watch the sunrise. I should come out there and we'll hunt a turkey and we'll find some morels and I'll, and I'll cook them up together. There you go. That's, there's nothing better than that, man. We come up here and we got morels that right around turkey season my super secret ramp spot. I'd have to blindfold you to take you in there. But uh really uh, is it was it seven ramp plants? I mean ramps are so common out there. Yeah, well, there's an area that it's incredible. It's got to be 100 yards long by 200 yards wide, just solid ramps down these down these swamps, the edge of the swamps. But it's just great. My kids love it. They want in the spring they want to do a wild dinner and we have a turkey, we go catch trout, we pick morels, the ramps and the Northeast in the springtime, you know better than me. I mean, it's a, it's just a great time of year to be out there and doing all that. It really is. Yeah. Well, anyway, I want to. I don't want to take up too much time for our, our people who have been listening for almost an hour now. Wow. Uh, but you need to come out to California, and I need to show you a good time, and and uh, and show you what we've got to offer. And I, I mean, hell, that. we can we can even do the drive-by turkey hunt and see if you, how you like it. Well, I'll, I'll drag you out of the car. We'll start from scratch and do it. No, we, we get out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll take it old school. No, that'll be fun. I'd love to do that with you. That'll be a blast. And especially if I – I will convince you. It's not wondering if I can. I know I will convince you to be a turkey hunter. Gauntlet thrown. Yeah, and we'll get that. We'll get those Yucatan recipes going. But get on top of that. Figure that out. And then that's, your, that's your part of the, the deal. I'm on it. Yeah, man. All right. Well, thanks a lot for uh, taking uh, taking the time to uh, talk with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And uh, again, this is Tony Caggiano with World Slam Adventures. So uh, if you feel like hunting turkeys, and I know you do after what we've just been talking about for the last 45 minutes, um, you are at – what is your website? It is worldslamadventures.com. We got a bunch of our hunts on there. We specialize in wild turkey, all subspecies. We do some other hunts. I, I call them off-season hunts. You can email me, Tony, at worldslamadventures.com. Check me out on Instagram, Tony Cadge World Slam. I'm on there. I'm on Facebook. We have a lot of fun with it. Awesome. Good to, uh, good to talk with you, and we'll have you on uh, when turkey season is up. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Hank. It was great talking to you, too.